Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. A Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. We've got so much to get through. Very, very busy. Busy little beavers and busy little bees. Come with me, if you please, and see what I see. Tonight's recommended drink is a Bacardi and Coke. Tonight's recommended smack, uh, snack, ladies and gentlemen, a falafel. Thank you so much for joining us. Share that show out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumpy, your host, hopefully for the next, I think, probably couple of hours. We'll see how we go. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. And as I mentioned earlier, so much to get through today. So little time. So much and so little time, as always. Uh, but I appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining us. I didn't. I actually didn't expect anybody to show up today. Um, <laughs> uh, in case you're not aware, I do a show on Wednesday mornings with uh, my dear old friend Greeno called The Starting Block, where it's really not political. We just talk bullshit. We just try to make each other laugh, talk about bullshit topics and whatnot. And... Uh, he gets here about five minutes before we go live. We used to do radio together for about six years or so. So we're, we're pretty used to just showing up at the same time and then just going, doing a show for an hour and then, all right, see you later, see you next week, you know what I mean? So we really don't do any prep or anything like that. And uh, so he showed up and we were talking about, you know, five minutes before. And he's like, you know, so how's how's your show going? And I'm like, yeah, it's all right. I think I've, I think I've lost about half of my audience over the last couple of days. <laughs> and he's like, What? So I proceeded to tell him, because he doesn't really care about politics either. So I proceeded to tell him sort of what the trend has been over the last couple of days and uh, being accused of various things, which again, I, I quite enjoy. It. it doesn't worry me in the slightest. And I'm not going to change. I don't care how many people drop off. So, um, you know, like I lost about half my audience in the last couple of days. So it'll be interesting. Um, my show yesterday essentially devolved into a two-hour rant, <laughs> a two-hour angry rant with the occasional humorous observation, very occasional. But it was basically a two-hour rant. So I want to do a little bit of recap for yesterday. I'm not going to... Don't worry. This whole show is not going to be Iran. We've done the last two shows entirely on Iran. I wanted to stop talking about Iran on Trust and Verify. I thought that was going to be the end of it. But it keeps developing. Things keep happening. Things things keep changing. That's the nature of stuff like this. It's dynamic. It's not static. And that's kind of the point I'm going to make this morning, my time, you know, this evening, your time, uh, before we get rolling here. So I want to address yesterday. So what happened was uh, we started the show. My plan was yesterday to do a breakdown of the Iranian foreign minister's interview on CNN and contrast that with Mike Pompeo's response in the press conference and point out similarities between the two. Show you what they're doing, what what rhetorical devices they're using in order to get their point across, to get sympathy, to get people on their side, to create doubt, right? But 
before we even really got rolling, I was getting bombarded in the chat. Pardon the pun. Uh, I was getting bombarded in the chat with people telling me, rocket attack, rocket attack. Uh, 20 people have died. 28 people have died. And I'm like, okay, send me links. I got bombarded with links on Twitter. And I, you know, I've opened it up and they're like, oh, reports are saying, you know, 20 people have died and stuff. Of course, we found out later after the show that that wasn't the case, that 20 people had not died. Well, I mean, allegedly, which is, I'll get to that. So uh, I did say, all right, I'll take that on face value. And then we discussed, you know, I gave some of my thoughts about, you know, how we got here and, you know, the pointlessness of it all, really. And that brings me to my topic for today. If people people in intelligence, I've heard them, you know, at lectures and stuff, they have they speak about this concept sometimes called information apocalypse. And I've I've spoken about it before on this show in a different context. Essentially, information apocalypse to boil it all down is an environment. Thank you for the uh, ice creams and stuff, by the way. Oh, I, I better do the little plug. I better do my grift. Hang on. Um, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to abuse me, then take a number, get in, the, get in line and follow me on Twitter at boogie bumper. If you'd like to leave a tip during the show, dlive.tv slash boogie bumper, buy some lemons and leave those slippery, sour, soury little lemons in my fruit bowl, you lovelies. Or you can head to the link down here below, streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper. Thank you for the diamond. Thank you for the diamond, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate it. UK Neil and Gypsy. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Who did you steal these diamonds from, Gypsy? Where did you steal these diamonds, Gypsy? Thank you for the diamonds, Gypsy. So, information apocalypse is an environment where you you flood the space with misinformation, but not just misinformation. Truth is in there. Truth is in the mix. But it's surrounded by and permeated by misinformation. And... The object isn't to make people believe the wrong thing, right? You would think, well, the, the, the point of misinformation is to get people to believe the wrong thing, is to get them to believe lies. That's not really how it works. The point of uh, misinformation in the context of, you know, information apocalypse is to get people to believe nothing. See, it's easy enough to get people to believe the wrong thing. You want people to not believe the truth when they're presented with it. Do you see? It's a very subtle little difference, but it's important. So when you mix misinformation with true information and it's all swirling around, you want people to have, when they get the truth, to not believe it. And that's what information apocalypse creates. It doesn't mean people will believe anything. It means people will believe nothing. In that environment, it then becomes easier for people in power to get us to do things that we would otherwise not do. It gets it, it's easier for them to get away with shit because the population is essentially handcuffed. We're hamstrung. We don't know what to do. We're turning 
from one source to another source to another source to another source, we believe nothing so they can do anything, right? That's the point of it. And it usually precedes a state of war, civil war, some kind of conflict, right? Because if the population doesn't believe anything, then the bad guys can be the good guys and the good guys can be the bad guys. The good guys can do bad things. The bad guys can do good things. It means that whatever side comes in and wins the day can essentially make their own story. And the reality doesn't matter, right? And Mega Hank says some people, of course, this this would apply to most people. Most people are not, you know, hooked in. Most people are not aware. A lot. Most people engage in in politics and news like as a, as a casual fling. They're not hooked into it. They're not, you know, uploading data constantly. The people who do are like a very, very tiny minority of people. So I wasn't at all surprised. Like I saw um, the guy who does Agenda Free TV, who I think does a fine job, you know. Uh, I forget his name, Steve. Is it Steve Luckner? He, he's, he's okay. Um, he put out on Twitter earlier this morning that he felt tricked, you know, because he did like a few hours stream on the basis that there were American casualties as a, as a result of these missile strikes last night. And of course, now he's woken up to the news where uh, the State Department or whoever is saying that's not the case. There were no casualties. And, you know, he's, he, I, I guess he feels like betrayed by that. It's like, don't worry, man. <laughs> that's the point. You don't have to feel tricked. Like, I don't feel tricked. I'm just like, of course. Of course, you know, <laughs> like, what do you expect? <laughs> this is going to happen. This is going to keep happening. It was only a few hours after that where we had a plane crash. And again, look what's happened. Some people say the plane was shot down. Other people say the plane crashed. Other people say there was a malfunction. I've even seen some people out there saying, oh, it was an EMP that made it crash information apocalypse there are so many explanations for what could possibly be happening at any given time that i guess we can't trust any of them that's the point of it believe nothing and then you know as of about an hour ago we have another situation this is what i'm trying to get you know, just get through to you at the start of the show. And again, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe me. You probably don't believe me. And that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but we had this situation about an hour ago. Two rockets uh, fired into the green zone. The green zone is a an area right in the heart of the Iraqi capital. It's a hangover from the, the days of the invasion uh, back in 2003. It's an area that was created by the Americans back then. It's heavily fortified. And ever since, it has been the location where uh, a lot of diplomatic uh, missions have their embassies. A lot of countries have their embassies. There is a military base there uh, as well. It has, uh, it's worth stating, been under fairly constant uh, rocket fire, uh, rocket attack over the cup certainly that through this year and the last uh, latter end of of last year as well now see that i believe that i believe a lot of the news over the last three days is going to make out like hostilities are new right when when we know for a fact 
that people over there are in harm's way, which again, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna labor I'm not gonna repeat the points that I've made over the last couple of days, except to say, um, as long as we are in this area, then the people in that area are going to be targeted. So if we want to stay, then we have to expect that we are always going to be a target in these places. It's just the reality. There's, there's nothing that we can do or say or change that is going to change the fact that there is always going to be somebody waiting to throw rockets at us as long as we're there. And that doesn't mean that they don't want to throw rockets at us if we're not there, right? You know, but but thinking that uh, one event or one missile or one dead general is going to change that reality is a fool's errand because there is literally no historical reason to believe that whatsoever. So over the last few days, various outlets, various news have, have been trying to make out like rockets attacks, rocket attacks on buildings are new things. Protests are new things. It's not a new thing. It happens on the reg. So then that that leads my cynical brain down the path of like, why now? Why is it news now? I mean, it's been reported in the past. You can go to various sources who have international correspondence in the area and find, you know, a news report a few times a week of a rocket going off or a bomb going off or somebody protesting out the front of the embassy. This has been happening for years. But it's only been in like the last few days, a week, and maybe a little bit more, that it's actually made its way to the front page. It's made its way onto the six o'clock news report. And, you know, my first instinct is not to say, oh, shit, look at that. My first instinct is to go, why are they showing me this? Why is this the news now? Right? So... With this attack today, right, more more rockets going into the green zone. There's been more attacks. I put out a tweet earlier. People are saying that Iran wants to sign a truce. Donald Trump, without directly addressing that, made a similar, you know, he, he positioned to accept a truce during his speech today. I'm not going to play the speech. You can watch it. But that was positioning, right? It was uh, giving, which is, this is an important thing to do, I think, in these kinds of situations. Not that I'm any expert or something, just by, as being an observer, you want to give your, an oppo- you want to give your opponent a trapdoor. You want to give them an escape hatch. James and I have spoken about this a lot on Trust and Verify. You need to be able to give your opponent a way to back down because if it's only escalation, then it only ends one way, right? So I think what he is positioning to do is give, you know, Iran an opportunity to step down. But so the tweet I put out earlier today is people are saying there's going to be a truce. There's going to be a truce. Iran wants a truce. Um, Again, I've I've just got to fall back on what I've, what I view as observable, undeniable fact. And remember what a truce is worth to some people. If I were, uh, you know, a state in this situation, I would be signing a truce. I would be giving press conferences saying that I'm going to be, I'm, we're peaceful now. Everything is done. Essentially, that's what Iran has done now. They've come out and said, oh, we're, the retaliation has finished. We're, we're done. We've concluded our operation. 
if anybody believes that, then they're kidding themselves. And again, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I'm not in favour of what's been going on over the last few days. But that doesn't mean I can't see this for what it is. Same thing on our side. If we sign a truce, if we say, okay, there's there's some kind of arrangement where we're not going to increase in escalation, uh, you know, aggressive manoeuvres and whatnot, it, it effectively doesn't change anything, right? Like, do you think we sign a truce in this situation and then say, okay, get all the drones out of the area, stop monitoring these people, stop planning for attacks, stop keeping an eye on people, stop, um, you, you know what I mean, stop using surveillance. That doesn't happen. So when you realise that nothing effectively changes with the signing of a truce, because, like, again, if I was one of these states, I would sign the truce, I would say I'm very peaceful, and then I would use one of my proxies to attack and then when the proxy attacks, I would say, well, that's clearly got nothing to do with us. We very publicly signed a truce. We very, we very publicly stated that we wanted peace. We're not doing anything. And then you get to play the victim. Thank you for the diamond space force droid. And then you get to play the victim when the retaliation comes and say, we are the victim of excessive force. You know, in hindsight, it made total sense to me. Thank you, O1. In hindsight, it made total sense to me that, uh, you know, rockets going in didn't actually kill anybody because Iran needs to maintain the perception of being the victim of the United States. If they go in and wipe out 100 troops the next day, then they can't say that they're the victim, uh, a victim of excessive force. In order for their narrative to work, they need to maintain victim status. So... You know, I was pretty unsurprised to see people saying, oh, they want to sign a truce now. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Sign a truce, say you're, you're, you're done, you've done, you're finished with the retaliation. Then you, you switch. We, it's, see, the, PR, the, the truce is a PR stunt. It's for us. It's for the politicians and it's for us. It's for us to slip back into regular programming. It's for the politicians to slip back into regular programming. Thank you for the diamond. It, it, but it, it, you know, operationally, it doesn't change a damn thing. We just get to go back into the state of, you know, dark, undeclared war, which was taking place for the previous weeks and months where rocket attacks were going off and nobody cared and nobody talked about it where protests at embassies were going, were happening and nobody cared and nobody talked about it, we go back to that with a true steal. But in the meantime, I would suspect that you're going to have to become accustomed to reports like this where it comes out and nobody believes what they're being told or there's 10 different explanations for why it's happening or whether it's happening or not. Same with the with the airplane crash on the tarmac, whether it was taken down or whether it crashed. Same with the rocket attack last night where some people say 30 people died and other people say they didn't even hit a building. But, you know, you can take this for what it's worth. You can take it or leave it. I would, I would say that um, declaring victory at this point is a fool's errand. 
It's not going to stop. It's not going to end. Our relationship to it will change. Our focus on it will change if there is some kind of a truce. But again, it's purely a public PR stunt. In real terms, they're not going to stop using surveillance. They're not going to stop flying drones. They're not going to leave bases. They're not going to stop planning attacks. They're not going to stop hitting embassies. They're not going to stop throwing rockets. They're not going to stop making IEDs. Nothing effectively changes except our relationship to the situation. That's the only thing that changes. And that's entirely the point of why they're doing it. So make of that what you will. Personally, for me, I think coming out and declaring some kind of victory here is, is you know, it, it sounds good. It, it's, a, it's a good opportunity for, you know, the public and the politicians to put a full stop, uh, put a period behind something and attempt to move on to other matters. It's a good opportunity for somebody to change the story into something else. But when you actually step back and think about it logically and just apply a little bit of rudimentary logic to the situation, nothing changes. The only thing that changes is how you think about it. Just the way it is. So, make it, like I said, make of that what you will. Um, if you missed yesterday's show, some people liked it, some people didn't. Um, I guess it's up to you. It's probably, you know, depending on what kind of a person you are and what, what your opinion is of the situation, that'll probably determine whether you like it or hate it or not. Um, but I am encouraged that people who disagree with things that I say on the situation over there, uh, you know, I've credited this audience for a long time of, of being very open-minded. And, you know, for the, for the majority, you know, my opinion in that regard has not changed in the slightest. Because it's very encouraging for me to know that I can come on here and, you know, effectively batter people who disagree with me. And for an hour and a half, just give you both barrels as I see it. Bang, bang, bang. And people can disagree for an hour and a half and at the end say, thanks, I appreciate that. I like that. Thank you. Thank you for presenting the other side. And if that's all we get out of it, then so be it. I'm happy. To, like I said the other day, I, I will happily take the insults and accusations if it means you know, providing a bit of balance to an otherwise one-way conversation in this space. I saw uh, Nick Nick Redmond's in the chat. He said, Nightwave sent him here. Mersh is another one. There's a few of us who have been, you know, who are on this side of the, of the ledger when it comes to this discussion. So I want to give a shout out to Mersh Nightwave Radio if you don't follow on YouTube. It's been doing tremendous work. Just giving it to you straight. And I, I, from what I can gather, uh, all of us are, are basically getting the same treatment now. We see the same pattern. We see the same rhetorical pattern. But see, Maga Hank in the chat, but as expected, Iran backed down. <laughs> the public statement is that they backed down. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have. That's the point of what I'm saying here. For all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, for the sake of our perception, they have backed down. But nothing's they're not nothing's going to stop. They're not going to stop planning things. They're not going to just pack up their militias and go home. They're not going to stop 
maneuvering in the area. But this is an opportunity for the public to think that they will. Same applies for us. Whatever. Like I said, make of it what you will. And you know, like I said, you know, myself, Mersh, other people, we've been all getting we've all been getting the same treatment from the same people. You're you're all terrorists. You're all you're all communists. It's fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> like I said the other day, um, when I get mischaracterized in such a, an obscene fashion, that makes me hard. That lets me know that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm actually accomplishing what do I what I want to accomplish. You know, I don't I don't want to be easily pinned down. And if somebody comes in and hears an opinion and thinks automatically thinks they're triggered into reacting to saying that I'm some kind of terrorist sympathizer or some kind of communist, then I know I'm doing my job. I'm giving you I'm giving you that stimulus. And I love it. I love it. Um Look what's happened over the last day. I want to give a tip of the hat to Gypsy because she mentioned this in the chat during yesterday's show, but because we were so, you know, we were on a roll yesterday, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't address it. So I want to uh, give a tip of the hat to Gypsy. Gippo, thank you so much. This snuck through. This snuck through. Anybody talking about this? Hello? William Barr? William Barr, the good guy. Remember the good guy? For those listening to the podcast, I'll read the headline. DOJ recommends Michael Flynn be jailed for up to six months. I wonder how many people, you know, look at this and go, what? What? What the hell? <laughs> Federal prosecutors say the former Trump aide, quote, has sought to blame almost every other person and entity involved in his case. Federal prosecutors on Tuesday called for up to six months of prison time for Michael Flynn, arguing that the former Trump national security advisor's shift to a more combative defense strategy shows he's no longer exhibiting the remorse he did when he pleaded guilty in 2017 to a felony charge of lying to the FBI. The notable shift in the Justice Department's stance comes after it initially said it was open to a sentence of probation as Flynn's punishment... Thank you for the diamond. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. When he was cooperating with government investigators in special counsel Robert Mueller's sprawling investigation of ties between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia, which absolutely went nowhere, which we all knew it would. More than two years ago, Flynn became the only member of the Trump administration to plead guilty in the Mueller probe. But after providing... It's not in my purview, uh, which is at page 90, which page... Paragraph... Uh, uh, paragraph uh, three, paragraph three, page ninety ninety five. Page ninety. Uh, yes, no. Uh, that's not in my purview. Uh, I, I can't answer that. Uh, well, I, uh, uh, that that if if anybody was wondering if you missed the Muller in you know testimony, that was that's that was it in ten seconds. That's pretty much what it was. Well, I'll refer to the report. It's not in my purview. Which page are we on? Where am I? That was pretty much what the story was. 
But after providing the government significant help, participating in 19 interviews with the Mueller team and other Justice Department prosecutors, he reversed course by hiring a new team of lawyers who have tried without success to get the initial case dismissed. That probably happens. As long as it's, it's, I can imagine this conversation happening. Look, Michael, if you just go along with what we say, if you just play nice, we'll get you out of this with a probation. Like, think of like every cop movie you've ever seen in your fucking life, right? Look, guy, if you just go along with what we say, just sign, just sign the paperwork. We'll make sure that this is just a probation, okay? You don't want to make it difficult for us. We don't want to become combative because then we're going to make it difficult for you. Just say, just say what we want you to say. Admit to what we want you to admit to. Sign the paperwork, and we'll get you out of here. But if you're going to start bring, if you're going to start bringing in lawyers, if you're going to start bringing in lawyers and start, you know, fighting back, then maybe we'll have to put you in jail for a while. You know what I mean? So I, f- I don't find this surprising, except for one thing. And that is the entire story that we've been told for months and months and months and months and months about the DOJ and Michael Flynn. Because if the DOJ was really looking out for Michael Flynn, this doesn't make the news. If William Barr was really, you know, taking Michael Flynn under his wing and protecting a patriot, this doesn't happen. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not completely devoid of situational awareness I know that just saying that is going to lead to people in the chat and elsewhere to say oh no this is all theatre it's 4D chess man this is all just 4D chess so the DOJ doesn't really want to put Michael Flitt in prison they really just want to make it a story because they're trying to distract and get some other, you know, testimony out of somebody else and they're making it fake so somebody else admits to shit, whatever the fucking story is. And and when he when he if and when he actually does spend six months in prison, which I don't think should happen, but what I think is pretty much irrelevant. But just say he does end up in a prison cell for six months, then it'll be a new story. Then it'll be, well, no, he had to go to prison because now, see, he's served his sentence. He can come out and give testimony because he's been found guilty and somebody else and blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm now just at the stage where it's like, it's not going to end. It's not going to end. You know, the brave patriot Michael Flynn, the hero, and I'm not saying that in in a dismissive way, but, you know, the guy that so many have, like, you know, said he's our guy, he's our guy. How many people is it going to take to be threatened with prison, to, to go to prison, to be charged with things before people, you know, in my opinion, go, hang on, hang on, maybe we should reassess here. Are we too invested in a story? Are we too invested in a particular thing here? Are we missing stuff, Right. Like that's if I'm in a room where everybody agrees, my first thought isn't, oh, I'm really happy to be in a room with everybody agreeing. When I'm in a room where everybody agrees, my first thought is, hang on, what are we missing here? Nobody has raised any kind of concern. Nobody has raised a counterpoint. Are we missing something? 
And I fear that there's a lot of that echo chamber effect taking place here. And situations like this are, are happening and where a lot of people are pretending it doesn't exist, pretending it's not happening. Nobody's even talking about it today. Nobody's even talking about it. Nobody's even mentioned it. So tip of the hat to Gypsy for bringing that to us. Um, you know, again, food for thought. I'm going to leave that on the table. See what you do with it. See what see what comes. Beware the beware the echo chamber. Don't. I wish I knew that fucking Christopher Hitchens quote. Kimmy in the chat knows it. Why censored? Don't look for safety in the false in the. Don't look for security in the. Don't look for false security in consensus. Something like that. Just because everybody around you agrees doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Don't look for solace in the false security of consensus. I want to uh, catch you up with what's happening down here. Police have charged 24 people over deliberately lighting fires. <laughs> the thing that I find funny about this is, um, you know, I was talking with a friend about this last night. Uh, again, you know, oh, a state me. of unreality. I'm rambling again. So Assange Manafort, Stone and now Flynn, I'm starting to think something <laughs> might be up. <laughs> Drew Jackson, thank you for the tip. I, I tend to agree. So Assange, Manafort, Stone, Michael Flynn, I'm, mm, I'm starting to think that something may be amiss here. <laughs> I... It seems like something is wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we just need to lock up a few more people. Maybe if we get a few more people in prison, then maybe it'll be, you know what? Maybe we should go back and reassess some of the things that we were saying 12 months ago, two years ago. Maybe. Maybe. I would. I would if I was invested in particular theories. I would start reassessing stuff, but I'm not everyone. You know, I, th I think we get attached. We get emotionally attached to a story. And there are some stories out there which are very, you know, are very compelling. Very sexy. A very sexy story which people can attach themselves to. It's almost like a movie script. There are heroes and villains. You know, my position has always been looking at things in, in, in looking at people, especially people are complex animals. They're complex beasts. Looking at things in purely in terms of, uh, you know, good guy, bad guy. I think you're missing half of the game. You know what I mean? Thank you, Adboa. The reality is sometimes good guys do bad things and sometimes bad guys do good things. Does If a good guy does a bad thing, does that make him a bad guy? And if a bad guy does a good thing, does that make him a good guy? You know what I mean? You know, the, 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 whole, the whole structure of like, you know, entertainment and culture and information is aimed at dumbing us down. We are supposed to, they want us looking at things in black and white and good guy versus bad guy, and that that's all there is. 
I mean, if you immediately think of someone as a bad guy, then he only does bad things. And I must not believe anything that I hear about bad guys because bad guys are bad guys and I'm good guy. But people just aren't built that way. It doesn't happen. It's not the way it works. You know, people were saying it about uh, Rod Rosenstein. People, people, do, people, uh, you know, dedicated a two-year conversation to is Rod Rosenstein a good guy or a bad guy? My opinion was he's probably a career bureaucrat, considering that he's been in the bureaucracy for thirty years. And you don't stay in the bureaucracy for thirty years without aligning yourself with different people at different times for career progression. So he's probably just a career bureaucrat who's done both good things and bad things, depending on your perspective of it. So you think, so people would say, so you think he's a good guy then? I'm like, no, you're not listening. I'm not saying he's good or bad. I, I, I suspect he's probably just a career guy who's done both good and bad. Why is this so complex? Why is this so difficult? Oh, so, okay, I get you, I get you. So you're saying he's a bad guy. <laughs> I, would, I would just put my hands up and go, whatever. Whatever you want to say. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would just lose patience at that point <clears throat> and just go, whatever you say, man. I don't care. Whatever you want to believe. doesn't matter. They're still having a conversation now. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Who cares? It's not relevant. Just look at what was done. Don't try and figure out motivation. Don't try and figure don't try and like figure out the substance of somebody's soul for fuck's sake. Just look at what happened and look at what was done. He could have been he could have been fucking Jesus if he signed his name on the wrong form intentionally, then he did a bad thing. So don't worry about if he's a good guy. Look at the bad things that happened. Focus on that. But whatever. Again, I I feel like it's getting harder and harder and harder and harder to for people to step back. And I'm not blaming people. I'm not perfect. I fuck up. I'm not blaming people, but I think I I suspect it's intentional. And I don't think it just happened overnight, but I do think it's ramping up that we are being intentionally we are intentionally forcing ourselves and other people into irreversible positions and this makes it easier for people to get away with shit like we're watching the shiny keys whether it's you know the day-to-day running of government whether it's who's getting locked up by the DOJ whether it's what's happening in Iran whether it's whether it's whether your bins get picked up on a Friday or not at some point somebody's going to write a book about this period in history and they're going to say whilst everybody was making memes and getting angry about transgender bathrooms the ruling class completely raped everybody blind to their face and nobody did anything about it the surveillance state was kicked into high gear mass immigration flooded western countries Speech and thought control was normalised. And all the while we were concerned about memes and where people should piss. You know, maybe it's too late to, maybe it's too late to even worry. I'm, I'm starting to get real blackpilled these days. 
You, you know, you can say, oh, that's wrong, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I'm just going, I'm going to continue to be honest with you. And I'll be the first to put my hand up and say when I'm wrong, as I did at the start of the show. But I'm not going to, you know, operate within the bounds of I have to be Mr. Positive Guy. Because let's be honest, um, I, I just showed you the story. The DOJ is recommending Michael Flynn go to jail for six months. What am I being positive about there? What f Find me a positive. Again, find yet another positive in the wake of overwhelming negativity. <laughs> It's like whatever, whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. So uh, let's have a look here. CNN. It's CNN International, by the way. So it's two women with Australian accents. So let's not let's not go too far. Um, talking about police charging people for these arson attacks. But the reason I want to show you this is just to give you a little update. Um, and they bring up some numbers and stuff, and they show some satellite images, which I which blew my mind because you don't really you can't really tell when you're on the ground looking at something. When you take the bird's eye view of what's actually going on, that's when a lot of people go, "Wow, sh really? Holy shit!" So have a look at this. Be far beyond the red carpet events of the Golden Globes, ladies and gentlemen. At least 24 people have been charged in New South Wales over deliberately lighting some of the fires that have devastated vast parts of Australia. At least 25 people have died and more than 2,000 homes have been destroyed since the bushfire season began. And as we have seen, this year's bushfire season has, has been one of the worst in Australia's history, in fact. And here's a look at how bad the blazes have been at last count. About 2,700 firefighters were battling the blazes across the country. And in New South Wales, there are about 136 active fires. I've been really lucky in my life growing up. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I was born in a country town, but I grew up in Western Sydney. And a part of Western Sydney that every other part of Sydney hates. <laughs> right? Rightly or wrongly. It's funny, like all of the Sydney. If you if you if you've never been here or you're not aware of the geography, Sydney is basically like a whole bunch of little towns that grew simultaneously and ended up being one city, right? So, all of the different parts of Sydney hate each other, but all of the different parts of Sydney hate us the most, and we say, "Well, we're the best, so fuck you," right? So, this is the part of Sydney that has uh, like the highest um, immigrant population. I've said this before, uh, I grew up a uh, half hour drive away from the biggest mosque in the Southern Hemisphere. But I also live in a part of my part of Sydney, which is, which is so redneck that it would make, um, you know, toothless inbred moonshiners from Alabama blush with embarrassment. He's like, God damn, I thought we were rednecks. You gotta see these fucking Australians, man. They fucking go next level. Well, y'all drinking beer at four in the morning? What the fuck? I've worked with guys who would crack beers at six in the morning and then go off and drive a truck. Yeah, we going to have a good day, mate. Yeah, mate. Road signs with bullet holes in them. All of that. So I'm pretty lucky in where I grew up. The, the closest we ever got to a fire, I was about like 10 years old. And we had uh, burning leaves landing in our yard. That's as close as it got. 
And those were before, those were like the worst fires on record. They were the worst we ever had. This makes those ones, this is literally like 10 times bigger to put it into, into some perspective for you. Oh, Alabama, Louisiana, pick one. <laughs> Generic southern person. <laughs> Generic cartoonish southern redneck. We'll, we'll call it that. The University of Sydney estimates almost half a billion animals have died across New South Wales, including close to one third of the koala population. In total, more than 14 Mad million Maxville, acres like have burned across Australia's six states. Well, the fires are so bad, the smoke is visible from space and... <laughs> we finally made it. <clears throat> the Australian space program is complete. Yes. The smoke is visible from satellites, ladies and gentlemen. Woo. Of course, if you were a flat earther at this time, you would now be piking up and saying... Well, of course the smoke is visible because it's all trapped inside the dome. So that makes total sense. <laughs> but the smoke is now drifting. We now have influence in South America. We are now contributing to the pollution in South fucking America. People in Buenos Aires are complaining about the smoke from Sydney. It's like, yes, fuck you. You Americans think you're so tough you could go around the world throwing missiles at people on the other side of the world. Well, we can give people and we can give people asthma attacks in South America, huh? Huh? We got game. We bring something to the table. What, you're gonna try and stand against Australia? We'll set our whole country on fire to make you cough. You better get into line, you South American commies. <laughs> We're going to make your clothes smell funny. That's what we're going to do. Come at me, bro. And it's managed to migrate to the other side of the world from Australia. The UN says the skies as far away as Chile and South America have gone grey. And the sunset in Argentina's capital, Buenos Aires, had turned red. Well, CNN's Anna Corrin. That's right. Red the sun, bitches. <laughs> oh, we're doing well. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Yeah, Greta's going to be coughing while she's sailing on the high seas, thanks to us. That's how we're getting back at you, Greta. Gee, we really have to do something about climate change. I can smell the burning Sydney homes from here, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. What the hell is going on here? I am going to jump around a little bit tonight because, like, the last two days, even though I didn't want to focus on Iran, that's all that we've done. So all of the links that I've had for the show have just been backing up and backing up and backing up. So I've got a couple of things to show you. More fun stuff. I, but before we do fun stuff, I want to show you this. Uh, I'm a fan. I don't know if you guys know Brendan O'Neill. I'm a fan of Brendan O'Neill. He's the editor of Spiked Online. Uh, Brendan O'Neill is like the British version of Tim Pool, except edgier, if that makes sense. Like, he would say he's on the left, like like centre-left, but he's, he's far more aggressive when it comes to things like mass immigration and uh, political correctness and stuff. He pushes way more buttons than Tim Pool does. Tim Pool, I, I don't mind. I think he's quite all right. But he does play safe which is fine. Some people do play safe. I play safe from time to time. But 
uh, Brendan O'Neill is more likely to, you know, get up on a, a stage and say, you're all fucked in the head kind of thing. So this was Brendan on O'Neill on Sky News, just with a little, you know, minute observation, which I thought was worth sharing. The trans movement, on the other hand, the kind of self-selected spokespeople for trans people, has become a deeply intolerant movement. I think it's very ironic that you would accuse others of intolerance when we live in a world in which anybody who questions gender self-identification, particularly a woman, as we saw with the Maya for starter case, where she effectively lost work because she questioned the cult of transgenderism, there is an intolerant clampdown. <laughs> this guy wearing blue lipstick and blue eyeshadow and fucking has his eyelashes zhushed up. When they come up against uh, O'Neill, they really, they're really underprepared, generally speaking. Like they, they, they think, I'm going to take this bigot down. That's, that's the only thought that goes through their mind. I'm going to accuse this bigot of doing bigot things. And they, they bring a knife to a gunfight. You know, that's why I find him so entertaining. And in that British, in that dry British way, he just tells them to their face like that you're, you're mentally ill and stuff. So. In which anybody who questions gender self-identification, particularly a woman, as we saw with the Maya for starter case, where she effectively lost work because she questioned the cult of transgenderism, there is an intolerant clampdown on anyone who questions the way in which language is changing and anyone who questions the right of people who were born as men to go into women's spaces. There is an absolute uh, censorious, intolerant clampdown on those people. And and this is what concerns some of us about the transgender movement, not trans people. The transgender movement does look increasingly like a movement for censorship and, and, and also a misogynistic movement to the extent that it is constantly censoring nice women angle. in particular who raise concerns about who is allowed into their spaces, who is allowed into their changing rooms and who is allowed on all women's shortlists. And that's, that's been one of the very clever manoeuvres um, in this debate over the last 12 months or so. And I'm glad, I wish I had have thought of it. I wish I had to come up with this attack point. But to now accuse uh, the trans activists of hating women is just delicious to me. Again, I'm not, I'm not emotionally invested in the debate, but as somebody who's sitting in the stands eating popcorn, you know, when trans activists get accused of hating women and uh, denouncing women because women have the fucking audacity to say, why should I run in a, in a 100 meter dash against a man? I don't want to do that. I actually, I, I try to accelerate that by saying, I'm glad that men and women, you know, have equality on the sports field. I, it makes me, it makes me happy. It makes me feel good inside knowing that we have such equality in today's progressive society that uh, men are free to beat women into the ground on the on the field, on the arena, in the arena of sports. You know what I mean? We finally have equality. Male wrestlers are able to dislocate the shoulders of their female counterparts. I'm I'm so glad we have equality now. I'm so glad that we're beyond bigotry, right? At which point, people who actually support this this turn in sport will look at me and say well that's not very nice and i say well that's what this is what you want i'm just being i'm just being a supporter i'm getting on board with you yes finally men are able to beat the shit out of women on the sports field this is what we wanted guys hooray and wave my little rainbow flag you know what i mean happy days <laughs> so it's been it's been a very good maneuver by people to say to turn it into like a you hate women thing because they, they really can't say anything about that.
They just have to take that one on the chin. And so on. I'm very worried about the way in which transgenderism has become almost a, a PC form of misogyny. And that's something that I think trans activists really need to face up to when they're talking about changing. There you go. Uh, Brendan O'Neill from Spiked Online. Um, what should I do? Oh, do you want to see how we're completely screwed? You know, on this show... I've done a lot of stuff about robotics and AI and what the future holds. Um, you know, my concerns. I mean, we've done we've done reports on this show where the the conversation there's people study ethics in robotics, right? For, it's it's like an arm of philosophy is ethics in robotics. Um, you know, just to illustrate the point, there's the the main problem with self-driving cars, right? is uh it's a, a very old philosophical problem called you know the train switch so you have one person um who is you have two train tracks right and you have one person who is tied to the train tracks on one side and you have three people tied to the train tracks on the other so who do you save do you save the one person or do you save the three people and then most people would say oh well you obviously save the three people you have to sacrifice one to save three but then it's like well you're killing somebody right and then you have to add in like extra layers of complexity and it's like okay what if the three people are very old people and the and the one person is a young girl who do you save then and it's like well then you have to save the young girl because she's got her whole life ahead of her and the three old people they're at the end of their life. And it's like, well, now you're killing three people to save one. So you've, it's not as easy as it seems, depending on the context, right? So this is what ethicists um, debate when it, we talk about robotics and self-driving cars, because the reason I will never get into a self-driving car is because if I'm on a road and the car loses control and the, you know, the AI in the car has a decision whether to drive me off a cliff or hit pedestrians, I don't want somebody else making that decision for me. I don't want a robot deciding that I need to die in order to save somebody else, right? That's against human nature. So that's the big problem with, you know, self-driving cars, for example. So we've had these discussions before. It's even gotten to the level of absurdity where ethicists are now talking about sex robots. What happens if a sex robot malfunctions and continues fucking you after you want it to stop? Does that equate to sex robot rape? And then how do we deal with sex robot rape? How do we charge an in you know a non-living entity with rape? You can't. So if the sex robot malfunctions and rapes you, who's to blame? <laughs> right? Is the manufacturer to blame or is the person having sex with the robot to blame? Maybe they mistreated the robot. Maybe they didn't do the, uh, you know, the required service on the robot. Maybe they should have got the robot checked before they had sex with a faulty device. Should there be a warranty? A 12-month no-rape guarantee or your money back? Should this be built into the sex robot industry, right? These, these kinds of things. So we've done this before. But I came across this tweet the other day, and it just showed me how far robotics has come and again nobody's really talking about it people like to people engage in this fantasy where um you know the robot revolution isn't going to be that much of a big deal and it's it's it always strikes me as funny because it's often white collar people that say this 
Like, think of learn to code, right? It's often the white-collar people that are the first to say, stop worrying about automation, stop worrying about AI. It's never going to be that much of it. We'll find a way. It's funny to me because it's actually the white-collar jobs that are going first. It started on Wall Street. So they started putting big... So you know the, the images that you see in movies of people sh- uh, trading on the, on the Wall Street floor? Trading on the floor? Buy, buy, sell, sell. That doesn't happen anymore. What happens is uh, the biggest trading companies have bought buildings right next door to the trading floor and they have rooms and rooms and rooms of computers and servers which calculate how much uh, things, how much shares are worth at fractions of a second and they make calculations to buy and sell automatically. You know, you sell, you set in certain parameters like, uh, you know, sell at this point, buy at that point. Uh, maneuver here and there you know they calculate interest and all that kind of shit but that's the new that's the new trading floor is a server room so they're already taking white collar jobs in that respect people say you know well can a robot build a house there are already robots that build houses from from the ground up people don't pretend like it doesn't exist so i just wanted to show you this clip and then i'll show you a main one I want to show you how how we we are so screwed. <laughs> we are so completely screwed. Look at this guy playing ping pong with a robot, with a machine, with a computer. This isn't like playing the computer on Fortnite or, or just playing uh, versus the PC on chess. Think of the uh, the amount of calculations that this machine has to do in fractions of fractions, in fractions, in fractions of a second just to get the paddle to meet the ball, let alone hit it back to the player and try to win the point, right? Ping pong is an incredibly fast game in a very small space. This is unbelievable to me. I found a longer video. It's about eight months old of a guy who runs um, a YouTube page called, what's his YouTube page called? Table Tennis Daily. I didn't know there was such a page. This video has had 3 million views. Check it, he's playing against the machine. Look at this. We are so fucked. (laughs) We are so screwed. Think of the complexity. It has to calculate the speed of the ball, the trajectory of the ball, the spin on the ball, the angle that the ball's coming at it. It has to calculate all of that in probably less than one-tenth of a second then it also has to do the calculation of hitting the ball back. Like, so to, in order to meet the ball, the paddle has to meet the ball. Then the paddle has to calculate what angle the paddle should be at, how hard the paddle should hit, what direction the paddle should hit, how much spin the paddle should put on the ball to hit it back to you. All in less than like one-tenth of a second. We are so screwed. 
<laughs> unbelievable. That is, that is unbelievable to me. You know, people, people, myself included, we want to, uh, Forrest Gump could beat that robot. <laughs> true. Very true. But he was kind of robotic himself, wasn't he? I'm not a smart man, Jenny, but I know what love is. It was kind of dumb. I mean, he was having sex with, uh, you know, drugged up STD riddled hookers. So, you know, at least he could play ping pong. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Well, we'll change, we'll change tack here yet again. How about a bit of fun? Graffiti artist Penis Man, ladies and gentlemen, goes viral after local news report. Robots stealing Asian jobs from James of the chat. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. Um, <laughs> I, I love shit like this. A vulgar graffiti artist in Arizona has shot to internet fame thanks in part to take thanks in part to a viral local television report about the tag. And I, I thought, well, I must find this report. I must find out more about Penis Man. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen. The vulgar graffiti vandal, aka Penis Man, now an internet sensation. It's a big night for fireworks and celebration, I'm but giddy. also for graffiti taggers. The city of Tempe, though, always on the hunt, trying to take down the unsanctioned art. ABC 15, Zach Crenshaw joining us live. And Zach, one particular tagger has the attention right now of city leaders. Yeah, it is someone who has struck the city a number of times over the past <laughs> month, similar to this. <laughs> It's like, listen, listen to the terms used. He struck the city. The penis man strikes again. <laughs> wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to live in a city where the biggest problem going on in the city is somebody who draws penises on buildings? You should be happy if you live in Tempe. You should be like, thank God. What a wonderful town. This is the only thing we've got going on. Penis man makes the news. And 40 times to be specific. And the tagging. You know what it reminds me of? For old school Simpsons fans, in the very. Remember El Bato? The graffiti tag, El Bato. And there's, they, they go into, um, like, there's a town meeting in, like, I think it's the first season. And you, you come, the scene starts, like, halfway through this town hall meeting. And they're like, we are tracking the infamous El Bato. And there's a picture of like an adult version of Bart that they're all handing around. The infamous El Bato who's graffitiing everywhere. Now, same, it's like life imitates art. Penis man. Penis man is running amok. He's struck again. The elusive penis man. Well, it's something you'd expect to see in a middle school locker room. Take a stroll through Tempe and you'll see scooters, trains, joggers, skylines, and graffiti. The goal is to get... <laughs> it looks like a pretty nice town. I've obviously never been there. It looks pretty nice. ...to it within 24 to 48 hours, and in many cases, we're removing that graffiti within two to three hours. That's no small task. <laughs> the, the cracks... The police in Tempe are on their game. You know, we have a, we have a crack squad, pun intended, going around checking, checking for penises... On, on city streets. We're looking for penises constantly. We have a 24-hour hotline. If you see an unsanctioned penis being represented on a building near you, please get in touch with the local authorities. 
We'll send it. It's like the it's like the fucking you know the Ghostbusters car comes firing out of a fire station. We've got another penis. Let's go. We've got to get with it. We've got to get it within three hours. We've got a record to keep here. Very important stuff going on in Tempe. Considering the city has documented nearly 300,000 incidents of graffiti in 2019. It could be a small sticker on a stop sign all the way up to a mural on a wall. One tag showing up all over <laughs> is penis man. <laughs> penis man. <laughs> so dumb <laughs> I was wrong he's not even drawing a penis he's just writing penis man <laughs> Howie Manley in the chat says you need God <laughs> I hope you're talking to me I don't think God needs me though so you shouldn't worry <laughs> penis man this, and the thing I love about this, right, when they put this shit on the news, when they make Penis Man into a cult hero, you know, kids love to imitate their heroes. This is going to be, this is going to start a whole wave of penis men. There's going to be a troop of penis men. It's going to be like that scene in V for Vendetta. You know, at the end where everybody's wearing the mask. Everybody's going to be out there tagging Penis Man on everything they can get their hands on. Man. Everything that you see highlighted in light green. In the last month alone. <laughs> Drew Jackson's chat the chat. Why why are we like this? <laughs> I think it's boredom. I think there's nothing going on. <laughs> it's like somebody just started somebody just decided to put the you know the Tempe, Arizona police on the back foot. And they're just going around writing penis man on things. About 40 plus or minus tags that we've responded to the moniker <laughs> <laughs> look, look on the left they blur it out <laughs> explicit and provocative painted on explicit and provocative <laughs> You know, I remember a time, I remember the good old days when people would just graffiti swastikas on buildings, and I don't remember anybody complaining. Once upon a time, people would just say, fuck Trump, or fuck capitalism, or draw, or, or spay paint Che Guevara on a building, or just paint a swastika on something. But this penis man phenomenon, this has to end. This is provocative. This is controversial. They are corrupting the youth with the penis man tag, ladies and gentlemen. Won't somebody please think of the children? On abandoned buildings, city dumpsters, <laughs> old couches. Old couches. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> but it's on the news. I guess it's important. Traffic mast arm. This one was on a bridge. We've seen it on signs. Look for There's penis man. Are, of course. <laughs> Look for penis mast arm. man. This one was on a bridge. We've seen it. <laughs> mm. 
absolutely wonderful. On signs. There's some people, of course, that, that think it's funny, and then there's other people. That... Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do. You know, like I, I can I can be a bit of a law and order guy from time to time. I can be a hard liner on certain crimes and stuff. Petty vandalism, though. Eh. Petty vandalism on private property, I'm against. Petty vandalism on city property, I'm like, no, nah, let these people have something to fucking do for a change. City councils want to talk about stuff like, oh, we need to we need to boycott countries, we need to fight climate change, we need to enact sustainability protocols. It's like, no, give them something, give them something in their wheelhouse. Go around, go. I'm not I'm not encouraging this, but I'm absolutely not, you know, uh, I'm not gonna crucify the guy. Give them something in their wheelhouse to occupy themselves with. If city council needs to have meetings about people riding penis man on city property, then so be it. Because at least then they won't commit so much of taxpayers' time and energy to fighting fucking climate change or becoming a sanctuary city or concerning themselves with issues that they ought not concern themselves with. No, no. You pick up the bins, you fill the potholes, and you try to catch penis man. That's your job. Penis man is is making you do your job, cleaning up graffiti. God bless penis man, the hero for the young generation, the hero for the forgotten generation, ladies and gentlemen, penis man at local level. That uh, are, are sensitive to the issue and, and want it removed immediately. Emma Renz has seen it herself. It was like on the side of the road. She wasn't concerned about her, though. I see my little siblings. Yeah, think of the children. <laughs> Somebody, please think of the children. You know, my, my young Timmy, Timmy's such a sweet boy. And I was on my way to church with young Timmy last week and we stopped at a set of traffic lights and Timmy pointed out the window of the car and he said, Mummy, in his very sweet and innocent voice, he glanced with his virgin eyes across the intersection and he pointed and he said, Mummy, what's that? What's a penis? And who is penis man? And I was mortified. I was mortified. Oh no, they're corrupting the youth. The youth, the good youth of Tempe, ladies and gentlemen, are being corrupted by this penis man or penis men. Oh, the horror. Oh, the torment. My siblings may see the word penis written on something. The sad end to the story is Timmy grew up to be a drug addict. And it all started with Penis Man. He started embracing the dark quarters of the internet. He started to lose respect for his elders. He started to become a troubled child. He started hanging with the wrong group. I couldn't talk to Timmy anymore. Timmy wouldn't listen. We were once the best of friends. But once Timmy saw Penis Man written on the side of the road, well, everything changed. It'll become an after-school special. Protect your children. Do whatever you can. Do what you must. Penis Man has struck again. 
reading it. You know, I just think it's not very appropriate. But her boyfriend. It's not appropriate, guy. That's why it's funny. Friend Brady. For me, I feel like it's okay to think it's funny, but for the whole city, I think it's probably yeah. good they're getting rid of it. There's street art, and then there's just obno being obnoxious, and I think that that's what- Penises are obnoxious. That guy's doing. <laughs> the city of Tempe says they hope to catch the crass culprit. It could be as, as small as a misdemeanor or as large as a, as a felony. Until then, they'll keep repainting and hope the man or woman behind the moniker moves on. Imagine if Penis Man is a woman. <laughs> Ultimate plot twist. <laughs> if Penis Man turns out to be a woman, I've, if you're listening to this, Penis Man, I have, and you, if you are a woman, Penis Man, I have the perfect defense for you. If you are a woman, Penis Man, then here's what you do. If the long arm of the law ever does tap you on the shoulder, if you ever get apprehended and they try to, you know, if you ever get, you know, quote unquote fingered as being the penis man, here's what you do. You say you were making a political statement. You were saying penis, comma, man. Because you're so angry that the patriarchy and that the men are running everything in Tempe that there's no equality, that women aren't getting paid enough and women are treated like second-class citizens and there aren't enough women in positions of power. You were, you were making a social commentary for the explanation for the ills through which society suffers today. What's to blame? Penis, man. You will go from criminal to national hero like that. That's how you get away with it. What's to blame for all of this death and destruction and disease and famine and awful things that have been ruining the earth? What's to blame for climate change? What's to blame for inequality? What's to blame for oppression? It's penis, man. There's a lot of resources, time and material that's being utilized to be able to abate the that, that's you though you decide how much resources you spend trying to catch penis man <laughs> i'd love to i'd love i'd love to know like what the other crime statistics are in tempe like how many how many armed robberies were there last year how many break and enters were there last year how many cars got stolen last year whilst you know the local constabulary was concerning themselves with penis man uh Trying to catch a hero, I might add. The graffiti. So, yes, I would like to see this stopped. Stop, penis man. There you go. <laughs> penis man, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. That's your feel-good story for the week, I think. Um, Where should we go from here? Oh, good news. Good news for the conspiracy theorists amongst us. UFO sightings across US will rise in 2020 with the creation of Space Force. Donald Trump can't stop creating jobs. Exclusive. Dozens of UFO sightings in 2019 were attributed to a top-secret military space fleet by conspiracy theorists, and with US President Donald Trump recently signing a bill to officially recognize the Space Force, some believe sightings could grow. I hope so. I most certainly hope so. Uh, here's a UFO expert talking about the situation. Basically, misinterpret a UFO sighting for a uh, Space Force program that's happening right now. Uh, yeah, I think the 
the UFO sightings are going to go on a rise, and space actually already have gone on a rise that we've seen here at Third Phase Moon because there's so much experimentation going on with the, the military and the new technology that's going to be uh, implemented with the new space force, in my opinion, that it's already being relevant, that uh, they're already testing it uh, before it's actually coming into fruition next year. <laughs> I just love the idea that just say you're like a UFO guy. I'm 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 interested in the topic, but again, I don't believe it or disbelieve it. I just every now and then I'll watch like a docker on UFOs and go, mm, that's interesting, and then I'll go back to life. I'll go back to my normal life without without necessarily you know taking any of it on board. I'll just observe things. So from time to time, I'll dip into the UFO conversation more so to be like, okay, what the fuck are these people talking about these days? You know, <laughs> I love the fact that. At some point in the future, this conversation is going to take place between two UFO people. One UFO person is going to say to the other, I have evidence. I have proof. I have on film a UFO, an alien spacecraft hovering over my house. Look at this video. And the other person is going to say, no, 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 no. That hyper, that hyper, um, you know, advanced spacecraft is not an alien spacecraft. It's just the government. And the first UFO person is going to say, oh, thank God. <laughs> no, no, no. That device that can shoot across the sky and change direction on the drop of the hat and shoot laser beams and stuff. Don't worry. It's not aliens. It's just the government. Oh, good. For a moment there, I was worried. I was panicked there for a moment. Thank God it doesn't come from outer space. Thank God it just comes from, you know, Washington. <laughs> uh, better the devil you know, I guess. It's been tested for, I think, probably decades. It goes back to Ronald Reagan, in my opinion, but the Space Force was created back in, in, the, in their early 80s. But some even say that it even goes back to the 1950s, but now they're trying to, now they're going to go public because... In my opinion, they can't really hide it anymore. And uh, that's an exciting time right now. There you go. Uh, the establishment of the Space Force will likely lead to a rise in UFO sightings this year, a conspiracy theorist has claimed. The Space Force, a brainchild of Donald Trump, apparently, will have the aim of maintaining the freedom of the US in space as well as sustaining space operations. It was originally, uh, officially recognised last month. It was originally recognised. Last month, when the U.S. president signed a National Defense Authorization Act, which established a new space branch of the U.S. Air Force. There are those who believe the Space Force is already in existence, pointing to various military craft being spotted across the U.S. in recent months. That one was in Las Vegas, I think. Yeah, in Las Vegas. Blake Cousins is one of those who, uh, but has said the official creation of the sixth branch of the military will now lead to more UFO sightings. The owner of YouTube channel Third Phase of Moon told Daily Star Online, is the Space Force going to create more sightings out there? Will people interpret a UFO sighting as a Space Force program? And I, and I would add, or vice versa. Yes, I think the UFO sightings will go on the rise. So it's good. It's good times. It's good times to be in the... It's good times to be in the Space Force game. It's good times to be in the Air Force game. And it's a good time to be a conspiracy theorist, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, the conspiracy websites are going to be going off their tits this year. 
So I think good. It's about time because the 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 UFO guys really haven't had much. They haven't had many new things happening. It's pretty much the same stuff. So if we can make UFOs great again, then so be it. I want more alien autopsy documentaries. I want more UFO shows just for my own amusement. Adolf Hitler arrested arrested at Munich Brewery after trying to sneak in with a Nazi uniform. <laughs> He's back. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back to save Germany. No. <laughs> the man stopped outside a bar by police was reportedly wearing a Nazi uniform decorated with fascist symbols and fake memorabilia. Let's have a look. Oh no, that's not what I'm looking. I want I want a video. There he there he is. There's Adolf. Uncle Adolf. A man resembling Adolf Hitler was arrested by police after trying to get into a brewery in Germany. Adolf just wanted to blow the froth off a couple. You know, it's been a long uh, 80 years for Adolf and maybe he just wanted to relax. The man was stopped outside the bar in Munich. Maybe he wanted to drown his sorrows. Who knows? The man was stopped outside the bar in Munich and later identified as Hitler impersonator Harold Zentz. He goes by the name Harold Hitler and is an Austrian like the vile dictator. Members of the German Workers Club had reportedly reserved a 10-person table, which staff later cancelled. <laughs> so Hitler was going to make an appearance at the brewery with the German Workers Club. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just like the old times. Zenz was reportedly wearing a Hitler costume decorated with Nazi symbols and fake memorabilia forbidden in public in Germany. The group were refused entry and given a lifelong ban after police arrived. <sighs> Back in 2017, Zentz was photographed outside the house Hitler was born in in Austria. Local police say he is a supporter of far-right Nazi ideology. Last September, unearthed FBI files revealed US spies probed reports of Nazi U-boat landing sites in Argentina amid fears Hitler escaped alive after World War II. Declassified documents held by the FBI show a joint effort to investigate the claims was mounted by intelligence agencies from the US, Britain and Argentina. Hitler is known to have died when he shot himself in the Führer bunker as the Red Army pressed down on Berlin. However, the initial lack of a body triggered conspiracies. He survived and fled Germany. I'm going to put it to you that Hitler is actually in charge of the Space Force. Thank you for the diamond gypsy. Where did you steal this diamond gypsy? All right. One more short video, I think, to see us out for the night and possibly the week. I don't know if I'll be back. I'm, I feel like I could do more shows this week because I've been off for a couple of weeks, but generally Monday through Wednesday. Uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie, by the way. You're listening to the Daily Boogie podcast. I did want to bring this video to you because... In these dark and desperate times, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one thing I think that can cure society's ills. I think there's only one thing I think that we can turn to in these dark and desperate times, and that's love. And you know I'm a big fan of love. This program is very pro-love. We love love here on The Daily Boogie. And we celebrate love here. We don't just celebrate it. We we love it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, it permeates. It's, it, it's all around us all the time. 
So, in these moments, <laughs> beach life. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond. So, we are going to celebrate love here for the next few moments. Join me, if you would, in a celebration of love, ladies and gentlemen. Come together. Together with love, we can stand against the forces of hatred and the forces of darkness in our society. With love, we can overcome. Let's celebrate some love. Yes, if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see what's on the screen. It's not just love. It's extreme love. My favorite kind of love. Uh, everybody in the chat, decide your safety word. So when you've had enough, let us know and we'll tap out. In Maryville, the heartland of America's Bible Belt. Tennessee, Tennessee. If, if I was ever to move to the United States, <clears throat> I've said for the longest time I would move to rural Tennessee. I've done my homework. I know what I'm talking about. I would move to a I would move to a town like this if I was moving to the United States. This to me is America here. You know what I mean? As an outsider looking in, I don't look at New York and think that's America. I don't look at LA and think that's America. I look at places like Maryville, Tennessee and say, "Yes, that's America right there." Everything else is a bastardization of America. This is America. So this, I, w I could see myself living in Maryville, Tennessee. Lives Wade, 35, and Michelle, 27. Like any ordinary married couple, on a hot and sticky summer's day, they keep themselves busy with the daily grind. Right now, I'm just like a subcontractor, just a professional handyman. But on our free time, we'll play board games, listen to Disney music. Arts and crafts. Okay, arts and crafts. All right, Disney music. I'm like, I'm still liking it. I'm still on board. Coloring. I'm a full-time baby girl. <clears throat> a what? Disney music. Arts and crafts. Coloring. I'm a full-time baby girl. I'm a full-time baby girl. You know, people have often spoken about, you know, the infantilization. Is that the right word? Not infanticide. But the fact that, you know, we're being encouraged to act like babies more and more and more and more. Some people will try to tell you. Some some awful people in the world, ladies and gentlemen, will try to tell you that this is somehow a bad thing. Like we should not be doing this. We should not be behaving this way. But again, I'll just point you back to... Hey, man, it's about love. How can love be wrong? Don't stand in the way of love. Love matters. What does it mean to be a baby girl, you ask? It means this. Does she clean up after she makes the mess? Like, you know, does it ever get to a point where he says, okay, you're, you're the baby girl. I get it. You're the baby girl. It's kind of kinky or whatever. Uh, when are you going to pick that shit up, woman? <laughs> does she, she said she's full-time baby girl. Not part-time baby girl. Not bedroom baby girl. Not board game watching Disney movie baby girl. 100% full-time baby girl. So does she just do this shit all day? 
does she just run around and scream and throw crayons in the air and shit her pants? Like, is that is that the the arrangement here? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Lady Fritzer in the chat says, "That ain't Tennessee." <laughs> Are you sure? This looks like Americana to me. I I have to be there. I must be in this place. This is very appealing to me. Yep, Michelle prefers to spend her day dressing and acting as a toddler, <laughs> living a fetish more commonly known as DDLG, which is all about kinky age play. Kinky age play. <laughs> She's sucking her thumb. <laughs> <laughs> don't you isn't isn't culture just exactly where we want it to be ladies and gentlemen don't you feel progress don't you feel enlightened holy shit those people on the other side it, it's it, it's they even have the tennessee accent you know those people living there on the other side of the world they's living in the stone age you know they they living in the dark ages over there you know, they ain't got no running water. They ain't got no electricity. Why, they they a bunch of dumb Sand Hill motherfuckers. They don't know they asshole from their ear hole. Ain't that right, baby girl? Nya, 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 nya. I poo-poo. I do a poo-poo now. Yeah, that's my baby. That's my baby girl. What we gonna do? What we gonna do to them sand niggers over there? In, in Iraq and Iran. What are we going to do to those medieval bastards? Huh? We're going to bomb them back in the Stone Age, ain't we, baby girl? Uh-huh. I want to do poopsie now. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we at the top of the food chain, ain't we, baby girl? Yeah, she's 28 years young. She's my, that's my baby girl right there. I'll tell you why. She a peach. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what DDLG stands for is Daddy oh Dom and Little Girl. <laughs> What's he, what is it? Daddy what? <laughs> play. What DDLG stands for is Daddy Dom and Little Daddy, Dom, and little girl. Look, she's... Little girl looks very upset there, baby girl. Looks very depressed. Girl, I'm her daddy, and she... Oh, the diaper changes! Yes! <laughs> oh, we are, we are so advanced. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. This is the kind of shit that makes me get up in the morning. <laughs> it's changing a <her> diaper. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> LG stands for is Daddy Dom. Little girl. Daddy Dom. Daddy Dom gonna take care of her baby girl. <laughs> I'm her daddy, and she's my little girl, and I take care of her 24-7, just like you would a child. He's my daddy and my protector, and I... And also my sexual partner. I need him. Oh. I wait, you. 
these consenting adults engage in non-stop age play. This is something to be taken very seriously. This is Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> we should all take it very fucking seriously. <laughs> and before people want to come in and say, oh, what are you doing? You, you, you're being mean. Why are you laughing? I didn't put them on. I didn't put them on the Internet. They agreed to do this video. They want this out there. They want people to know. They want to tell their story. And that's one of the great trappings of storytelling, ladies and gentlemen. You don't always know how the audience is going to react. That's part of the thrill of storytelling. It's part of the, it's part of the lure of storytelling is the anticipation of wondering how it will be received, how the audience will react, because you never really know. You think you've got it under control, but then somebody finds something that you've done and then bang, it's, it's exploding. You never really know what the audience reaction is going to be. So they wanted this. I didn't, I didn't ask them to do it. Nobody put a gun to baby girls. Nobody threatened to take baby girls' bottle away. Nobody took baby girl's pacifier out of the cot. She volunteered. Ain't that right, baby girl? Hey, you my baby girl, ain't you? <laughs> tell you what now, we're gonna bomb those we gonna bomb those dinosaur sand niggas over there in Iran, I'll tell you what. Me and my baby girl, we ain't everybody. Engage in non-stop age play. This is some way at the top of the cultural food chain. I'll tell you what. To be taken very seriously. This isn't a game. This isn't something that we're just putting on a front. This is who we are. This is what. J7 vibe in the chat. And that brings me to my next lesson. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> Did he put baby girl in the corner? <laughs> it makes us happy. I am baby girl every day. Every <laughs> day. All day. Not right now, though. Surely she should be interviewed as baby girl. Like, so tell us a little bit about yourself, baby girl. <laughs> Just throwing shit at the camera. Baby girl, calm down, baby girl. Can you answer the, can you talk to the nice lady from the television? Can you talk to the nice, sweet woman from the TV show, baby girl? You know, she's dropping in and out. I, I don't believe it. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say one hundred percent baby girl, you gotta commit, man. Gotta commit. I wanna see one hundred percent commitment, total commitment. From the time I wake up till a few hours before I go to bed, I'm in little space. Every morning. <laughs> It's bath time for baby girl. <laughs> it's bubble bath with all my favorite bath toys. It was in my name, your bath toys. And then... <laughs> and, then and then playing in the bath with my bath toys. Your baby girl. Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Again, I just have to reiterate, I am I am 100% uh, totally confident in where society is headed. I am 100% uh, 
totally, totally on board with how progress is progressing. I don't think we've progressed enough, to be brutally honest with you. I think we need more of this. Much more. We need to celebrate people's love. A few hours before going to bed, sex time. No, I don't think so. Lady, See, Lady Fritzer brings up an interesting point. So the few hours, she said she switches off from baby girl for a few hours before bedtime. Now, Lady Fritzer is wondering, is she an adult for bedtime, you know, for sexy time? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you go to this extent and then not keep it going for hanky-panky. I'm pretty sure that baby girl is in there with daddy, you know, getting the horsey ride on daddy's knee, for example. Oh, dear. <laughs> we, are, we are sick people. Take me back to penis, man. And if I don't get back. <laughs> Original rare for the chat. This is a great leap forward. <laughs> it's mostly fun and games. Mostly. <laughs> But when Michelle misbehaves, there are repercussions. What the heck is going on in this room? Look at this mess. What the behavior chart is, is I get three check marks a day. Green for good behavior, yellow for warnings, or red for bad behavior. baby girl now baby girl uh you didn't ride on daddy's lap last night when daddy asked you to now you know that you're supposed to do what daddy says right Mm-hmm. well baby girl you're gonna have to go up to the big board now and give yourself big nice red check mark next time you're gonna do what daddy tells you to do ain't you mm-hmm. it is so fucking weird man it is so fucking creepy <laughs> To be fair, though, um, the behavior chart itself, I don't have a problem with. And guys out there, you'll know what I mean. You know, next time you see a big expense coming off the credit card, wouldn't you just love to force your wife to go up to the behavior chart, put a big red cross next to it? Ladies, it can work for you, too. You know, honey, did you leave your filthy, disgusting work socks on the floor of the bedroom again? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, take yourself over to the big chart. Big red cross for you. No chocolate cake tonight after dinner. But I want it. Nuh-uh-uh. Not until you pick up your work socks. Okay. When you get over my knee, you little vixen. <laughs> Somebody in the chat. Ooh. <laughs> and based on how many you have... Daddy sets out a punishment or he lets you pick out a reward. Oh, daddy punishes. Daddy is a nice daddy until baby girl isn't so good. And then daddy has to punish. Daddy doesn't want to punish you, but daddy's going to have to punish you. It's for your own good, baby. For your own good, baby girl. Aunt daddy going to take care of you, baby girl. And they have quite a selection of... <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to the podcast... You can now see the butt paddle, the butt paddle, which is hanging from the wall next to the behavior chart. So daddy, daddy, daddy Dom, you know, at some point, 
Uh, if she, if baby girl gets too many red checks on that particular day, then daddy Dom must, I, I suspect, walk over to the chart, check the progress on the chart, see that baby girl has not been a very good baby girl. And daddy Dom, I suspect at that point, will pick up the butt paddle, the butt paddling paddle, and, you know, deal out a bit of parental justice, which is totally fine. It's totally normal. Of paddles for different punishments. That means you're getting the cane. Is that understood? Yes, <laughs> now I know I know everyone in the chat is like, this is so fucked up, this is so weird. But guys, come on. If she was hotter, you would be all for it. <laughs> come on now. If she was hotter, you'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me otherwise. Don't you dare lie to me. If she was a 10, you'd be like, you're getting a cane, baby girl. <laughs> Any man who tells you otherwise is lying to you. <laughs> of course. I grew up in a uh, very disciplinarian household. When I was a kid, I took a very strong interest in the spanking aspect. <laughs> I can't even do this anymore. I, <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in a household that had very strong discipline, and that's why now at the age of 35, I treat my baby girl like a baby and spank her with a cane when she needs it because, you know, Daddy Dom ain't going to let that shit fly. I have a strong interest. He has a, an interest in spanking, a strong interest. This is something that consumes him. You know, I grew up with a very strong, I've read all the books, you know, <laughs> I've read all of the all of the discussions. Something I follow very closely: my interest in spanking. And you know, it's because of my upbringing. You know, I've got to credit my parents with this. It's 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 because of them that I grew up to be the harsh disciplinarian daddy dom that I am today. I grew up in a uh, very disciplinarian household. When I was a kid, I took a very strong interest in the spanking aspect. Something clicked in my head. And I'm like, this is what I like. I've always liked to be in charge. I like to be the boss. I think I was born for this. <laughs> our, our priorities have changed, haven't they? <clears throat> Timmy, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I want to be a fireman. And little Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a policeman. Mm -hmm. And little Tommy, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a Space Force captain. And little Dom, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be baby girl's daddy. Spank her ass. <laughs> I want to have a fully grown human wife and then spank her ass like she a little baby girl. I'm going to put up a a disciplinary chart on the wall. I'm going to have big ass paddles next to that wall. That's what I'm born to do. I'm born to take that fully grown woman, treat her like a little baby girl and spank the shit out of her when she asking for it. I tell you what. Ding. <laughs> tell you what, it's my calling. It's what I'm put on this earth to do. You know, because you got to have dreams. and You got to have goals. People say they want to be superheroes or win a Super Bowl or walk on the moon. They can have those dreams. But my dream 
is to take that cold pine piece of paddle to a woman's ass on the daily. Because <laughs> I love spanking. And daddy gonna dish out some punishment to his baby girl. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Celebrating love on this edition of the Daily Boogie. And what a fantastic way to round out the week. It's been one hell of a week. So much argumentation, so much discussion, so much debate, so much outrage, so much confusion, so much information, so much information apocalypse. But I'm glad on this Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie that we can all come together and find love with one another and dish out some punishment to our sweet little baby girl. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to become my baby girl, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Actually, don't follow me if you want to be my baby girl. I don't want to know you. <laughs> don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, uh, at UK Neil, and everybody else. Um, I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper or, and on Streamlabs slash Boogie Bumper. Thank you so much for your ongoing support of this program. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and behave yourself before I spank you. Stay rational. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I'm opening the chest right now.